Well, as Hannah mentioned, loved ones, welcome to our 2023-24 ministry year kickoff. Big day, big day. It's always, yeah, come on. Absolutely. Don't, don't take what's happening here tonight for granted. It's always a big day when the saints get to gather together for corporate worship, amen? But don't, don't miss the significance of this day. You know, as, as a church planter, I, I like to read church planting stats. And, um, you know, one of the latest stats is 85% of new church plants uh, don't make it out of year five in North America. 85%. So what you see here, don't take for granted. By God's grace, Hope Bible, and by God's grace alone, I will add, Hope Bible Church Ottawa will turn seven in April. By God's grace alone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes, but we are not to take his glory for granted. And Jesus has a church for his, has a word for his church today, and it's going to come out of Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. If you do not have a copy of God's word in front of you, put your hand up nice and high. Our ushers are coming forward. We want to put a Bible in your lap. And if you don't have a Bible at home, then please keep that as a free gift from us to you to encourage you to be studying God's word at home. There's nothing better you could be doing. I say that with all the authority of God's word behind that statement. There is literally nothing. The word of God is our very life, Deuteronomy 32 says. And so as you look around and you see Jesus building his church against opposition and against darkness that comes against it, Here's Jesus' message for his church today and every day. You ready for this, loved ones? Come on. It's not fear time, but it's faith time. Amen? Let's say that with me. It's not fear time. Oh, we can go better than this, loved ones. This is ministry kickoff. Let's go. Let's get some fervency in the room. It is not fear time. It's faith time. That is the message of Jesus Christ to his church, specifically strong and courageous faith to be exact. Why? Because here is the big idea of the text. We're going to jump right to it. And really, loved ones, you're going to hear in a family chat, Lord willing, after the service, this is actually the big idea for the entire ministry year. So write it down, take a picture, lock it on your phone screen, whatever you need to do. Here, why? Is it not fear time when you look around, but it's faith time because of this truth right here. Put it on the screen, Jess. Our God is victorious, so follow him in courageous faith. Big idea for the text, big idea for this ministry year. Our God is victorious, and so follow him in courageous faith. And so our theme for this year 23-24, as elders, as we sought the Lord, we sensed it so strongly that the theme for this year is to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. But if we are going to do that, it comes down to answering this question rightly. Okay, ready? Question time. Here we go. What is the most important thing about you? Okay, eyes up here. I love the fact you're writing that down. But just eyes up here, focus. If someone were to come up with you at work or on a bus, in an Uber, whatever, and ask you this question, what is the most important thing about you? What would you tell them? Just take, take a second. I'm going to let it hang there. Think about it. What would you say? What's the most important thing about you? Maybe... Some of you would answer, well, my job is, because if I don't have my job, I don't have any security. If I don't have my job, I don't have any status. If I don't have my job, I don't get the praise of man. And therefore, my identity, which is based on my job, would be very confused. Maybe some of us, when we're asked the question, what's the most important thing about you? You might say, my comfort and convenience is. I want to control my life. Anyone struggle with the battle for control besides me? Yeah, okay, good. Love you, church. So good, right? I want to control my life. 
so that people do what I want them to do, when I want them to do it, how I want them to do it, so I can get what I want. Maybe some of us here will say, the most important thing about me are my possessions and my money. The more I have, the more secure I feel. The more I have, the more I keep up what this world says I should be doing with my life, which ultimately leads to a train wreck. Maybe some of us would say, answer to the question, what's the most important thing about you? Maybe it's having kids or getting married. I'm going to base my identity in being a mother or a father. I'm going to base my identity on getting a spouse because, oh no, God forbid I should be single my whole life because society will look down on me. Yeah, what does God say to you? We struggle with these all the time. How about, how about if someone were to ask us as a church corporately, what's the most important thing about Hope Bible Church Ottawa? You go there? Okay. What's the most important thing about Hope Ottawa? What would we say? Programs? Excitement? Even zeal for the Lord? What's the most important thing about us, church? And here we get an answer. Actually, A.W. Tozer said it this way. I love this. Write, Write this down. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Whether you recognize that or not, everything boils down to how you answer that question. What you think about God. What comes into our minds, students, you've just started school, and there's a lot of worldviews and ideologies and ways of doing things that your friendships and, and this world says you need to be doing them. But what it ultimately comes down to is what's the most important thing about you? What you think about God. Because what you think about God is going to impact what you think about that. What you think about God's nature What you think about God's character, what you think about God's faithfulness, what you think about God's plans, what you think about God's power to do in any given situation is the most important thing about us. See, here's the key. Our faithfulness to God and the fruitfulness of this ministry year, don't miss this. Look at that screen. It is intimately tied to the accuracy of our view of Jesus. I will say it again. The faithfulness of us as a church, individually, corporately, as families, as singles, the faithfulness to God that we have this year and the fruitfulness of this ministry year in seeing God do what only he can do for his glory is intimately tied to the accuracy of our view about Jesus. All the time, every time. Why? Why, why? We're gonna see it today. There's no strong and courageous faith without an accurate view of Jesus. This world will dogpile you in a second. Your fear will, your anxiety will, your worry will, your grumbling will, your selfishness will, so will mine. There is no strong and courageous faith without an accurate view of Jesus. And here's the problem we face. Maybe you've even seen it in your own life from this start. We often live with the wrong view of Jesus, don't we? We live with a wrong view of him. We may state who he is with our mouths, but what are our hearts really saying as shown through our lives? Hence the fear. Why does anxiety exist? Because of an inaccurate view of Jesus in that situation. Why does fear exist? Why do you get afraid? 2 Timothy 1.7 makes it really clear. I did not give you a spirit of fear. God says, I gave you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Why does fear exist? Because of an inaccurate view of Jesus in that moment of who he is, what he said, and what he can do. Idolatry, strange gods, come back to an accurate view of Jesus. Inaccurate. Apathy in our faith walk comes back to an inaccurate view of Jesus every time. Compromise in our faith comes back to an inaccurate view of Jesus. This is why what you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. 
the most important thing about this church. Let's get our context. This is the truth right here in Joshua 1, 1 to 9. This is the truth that God is driving home to Joshua and the people of Israel in this text as they are poised to enter the promised land and they are on the east side of the Jordan just awaiting God's instruction. They've been wandering for 40 years. They're right on the doorstep. They're awaiting God's instruction. Where are they? They're in a place called Shittim. You'll see it on the screen there. Right near the Dead Sea. Shittim on the east side of the Jordan River. And this is a transition time for them. They're, end of, they're at the end of those wilderness wanderings for 40 years. They're finally on the doorstep. It's a transition. And Moses, the majority of those 40 years, is dead. But before he died in Deuteronomy 31, he, under God's sovereignty, commissioned a new leader for them. And this leader's name was Joshua. To lead God's people into the promised land. Okay, who's Joshua? We've been talking about him in this little mini-series over the last couple weeks. And so let's do a bit of a deeper dive here. Joshua right here is 90 years old. Imagine God tags you at 90 and says, Hey, I want you to lead 2 million people into a conquest. You're 90. Can I just say this? If you're not dead, God's not done. All right, remember that. You say, what could God do with me? That's up to him. If you still got a pulse, you're good to go. He's 90. And he was Moses' faithful assistant, his mentee. Moses was Joshua's mentor for all of these years in the wilderness. Joshua loved God. He loved God's people. He was selfless. No wonder God wanted Joshua to lead the people. He's embodying the very characteristics of Christ 1,400 years later when Christ would come. Selfless in his leadership. He's not clocking in and clocking out on the people of Israel. This is me time. He's selfless. No wonder God pegs him to lead. He's a warrior, and he has great faith in God, although he struggles at times like you and I do. And here, just before he crosses the Jordan, the Lord speaks to Joshua, and he commissions him for the journey, the new season that was ahead of, in taking the promised land. And so today, loved ones, as we launch into this new season, we launch into this new journey that is the 23-24 ministry year, the same commission that the Lord gives Joshua is the same commission he gives us today. And he said this, Joshua, Hope Bible Church, Ottawa, my precious saints, my beautiful bride, this is not fear time. This is faith time. I am victorious, so follow me in strong and courageous faith. You ready to go? Let's get into this. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Here we go. Let's read it nice and loud. Kickoff weekend. Beautiful text. Let's go. God commissions Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them." 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Awesome text. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said. Amen. Let's go. Let's get into this. First thing we see right out of here, we are called to strong and courageous faith. And the first thing we see is this. Courageous faith trusts God's promises. They are our confidence. Courageous faith trusts in God's promises. They are our confidence. Courageous faith believes God will do what he said. Remember, it's the most important thing about us, what we think about the Lord. And courageous faith believes God will do what he said. Question, question, do you? Let's just not harden our hearts to the word. Just let that question pierce it. Do you honestly believe in your situation God will do what he said? And does your life show it? Go back to verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. See, God says in verse 1, Moses is now dead, and you're up, Joshua. It's go time for you. And he knows, and you can see from the context of this passage, Joshua's feeling a bit nervous. He's feeling a bit anxious. That's why he repeats the command to be strong and courageous three times in this text. He can see into the heart of Joshua. He's struggling. And notice this, though. Did you notice in verse 1 and 2, the name that God uses for himself in verse 1, and then down again in verse 9? He uses the name, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. What is that? Yahweh. He uses the word Yahweh, which is the most sacred name of God. It is actually built on the words, I am. It's where it comes from, and it's so sacred in Judaism, even today, that they won't even say it or spell it. They use a a yud heh vav heh it's called the tetragrammaton, and they won't even spell the whole word. Because it is the most sacred and holy. Why does God use that one? He's got a lot of names. I know you by a thousand names, right? He uses this one. Why? Because it means this, Yahweh, the Lord, one who absolutely is power. You don't think Joshua needed to know that right now? You don't think we need to know that as we look at the state of the world around us? The one who absolutely is power, the one who absolutely is wisdom and love and grace and peace, the one who absolutely has universal power, authority, and jurisdiction, the one who absolutely is the performer of his promises. You think it's a coincidence he's using this name? Not at all. Why? Because Joshua's view of God is the most important thing about him. If he's going to lead the people of God into the promised land, he's got to believe God is who he says he is. Verse 2, you see, God commands Joshua not to sit back in fear. He's like, okay, just if you want, you can take that promise. Or you can stay safe. Play it safe on this side of the Jordan. You know, there's lots of space there. Three of your tribes have already made their homes there or are going to make their homes there. And so, so why don't you just play it safe? No, he doesn't call them to play it safe. I know Moses is out of the picture, so maybe you're just a little fearful. He says, no. Don't sit back in fear and timidity. Don't be stagnant. He says, notice the text. He says, arise, verse two. The Hebrew word for arise means to advance. I love that. Joshua, get up. It's time to advance in my power for my glory, for my purpose. 
advance over the Jordan into the land that God would give them, the land of Canaan. Here's the first thing we need to see right here. God is not saying, retreat, Joshua. Retreat. Why? Because of this truth, we need to lock in God's kingdom is never in retreat. God's kingdom, loved ones, is never in retreat. Jesus even said, the kingdom of God advances. The kingdom of God advances. It does, it's never in retreat. Don't sit back in your fear and say, well, what, what would that look like? Can't you just hear the thing in Joshua's mind? Well, what, what's it going to look like? And what do we do? He says, get up. Advance. Don't act like my kingdom is in retreat because it's not. It never has been. It's time to advance. And notice, notice the text. Don't miss it. It's so easy to miss. Maybe some of us missed it. It says, you advance, you arise, and all this people. What's he saying right there? Why did, why did the Holy Spirit inspire Joshua, who wrote this book, to write that? You, the leader, and all the people. Why not just you, Joshua? See, here's the key we need to see. Everyone, the whole community of God, not just the leaders. The whole community of God needed to advance and follow the Lord to see his promise fulfilled. All people, this is what God's saying right here. He commissions Joshua. All people, all in. All people, all in. Don't just, this is a good challenge for us today. I said it a couple of weeks back, I'll say it again. Loved ones, today, God's great commission for us is we'll unpack Lord willing next week. And from Matthew 28 is the same. All people, all in. And so here's our challenge as we kick off ministry. Do not simply attend Hope Ottawa. Be Hope Ottawa. All people, all in. That's what he's saying right here. Joshua, you want to see it? You want to see what I'm about to do in the promised land? It's going to take everybody by my design. Community, cooperation has always been God's plan for his people. Mission means movement. Get up. Let's go. How do we know? Well, look at, look at verse 3. He says, I will give you every place I have every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. See, and he gives, he bolsters Joshua's confidence with two promises. Look at this. Look at verse three. The first one, first promise he tells Joshua he needs to cling to is this, that God will provide for him, his provision. Where God guides, he will provide. This is what he says to Joshua right here. Look at verses three and four. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. And now in verse 4, this is just the boundaries of the promised land he gives him. Okay, From the wilderness, that's the south, the Sinai, Egypt. And this Lebanon, that's the northern boundary. As far as the great river, the river Euphrates, that's the eastern boundary. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea, that's the western boundary. That's the Mediterranean Sea. Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. See, notice, notice in verse 3. I love this. Go back to verse 3. It says this. Every place of the soul your foot will tread upon, I, not, well, I'll try to give it to you. Maybe I'll give it to you when you get there. What does he say? I have given it to you. That's awesome. Think about this. He said, Joshua, you haven't even crossed the Jordan yet. Every place I'm going to lead you to tread, I've already won that battle. God is speaking of his promises in the past tense as if they're already done. He says, church today, I'm going to build my church. You're going to have to fight. You're going to need to tread. You're going to need to do battle. The battle's already won. I'm speaking of building my church as if it's already happened. I've got it. But will you follow me? Or will you sit back in fear 
And timidity, well, what about the world? And what about persecution? And what about opposition? And what's going to happen to my family? And what about my energy levels? And all this stuff. I have given. Arise, loved ones. Arise, Israelites. Arise. He says, it's a done deal. Go get it. It's waiting. It's waiting. Tread. I've promised it, but you must follow me and you have to fight how I instruct you to. You can't just do this on your own strength. You can't use your own strategies, but it's waiting. First thing he gives is his provision. It's going to happen. The land is waiting. Second thing, did you see it? Verse five, he promises, oh yeah, his presence, his power going with them. Look at verse five. Oh, I love verse five. Maybe highlight it a few colors. No man shall be able to stand before you. Let me, let me just say that again. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. See, God then promises Joshua that no matter who they face in battle, do you see this? None can stand against you because of my presence with you and from the overflow of that, my power in you at work, it will be invincible. They will not be able to stop you. See what he says there? Invincibility. Not because Joshua is some big warrior. Not because the people of Israel are all strong on their own strength. Because the presence of God is with them. And if God is for them, finish it. Exactly. Invincible, Joshua. None. Those walls of Jericho, you don't know that are coming, but they're coming. Yeah, they're going to come down. Because I'm with you. Those Anakim giants that sent the rest of the spies running... The first time they spied out the land, yeah, I'm going to take them out. But you're going to have to go fight them by my design, in my power. You can't just sit back. God would be with them. His presence, his power would never leave. That means I will not fail you. How many of us don't trust God because we think he's going to fail us? What you think about God is the most important thing about you. I will not forsake you. That means no matter how sinful you get, I will not abandon you. I love you. Can we just write this down? Maybe someone needs to be encouraged with this. Short, pithy statement, God will not fail. God will not fail. And it's not just, you want, you want someone to blow your mind? Sign up for the doctrine class, by the way. God cannot fail. He's got perfection perfected. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you? He cannot fail. You can't stop his power. You can't stop his plan. You cannot stop the gospel. Here's the truth we need to take. You think, well, really? Just proclaiming the gospel? As Paul said, isn't it just foolishness to this world that this is what God's given us to advance the kingdom? His word and this gospel message that looks like Jesus' life from a human perspective was a complete failure? This is your plan of redemption, Lord? Here's what we need to understand right there from this. The gospel's undefeated. Nothing has defeated the gospel in history ever and nothing ever will. Preach it, proclaim it, share it. It is undefeated, loved ones. No matter how dark this world gets, no matter how hard the heart of your coworker seems, it cannot defeat the gospel. It is undefeated. He says to Joshua, no matter how big or hardened or intense or intimidating the darkness the enemy may seem, they can't win when you follow me because I am with you. He says, Joshua, you can't lose because I can't lose. I can't lose. I love this. When God is with you, your enemies are always outnumbered. Put that on the screen there, Jess, please. When God is with you, your enemies are always outnumbered. Do you believe that? 
See, right here, God promises to provide all the divine power they will need to do all that he commands them. Notice what, how loving is our God. He doesn't just give them this mission. Yeah, go take the promised land, okay? He doesn't just give them the mission. He gives them the means to accomplish it too, himself. That sounds really familiar with us today. We'll get into that next week. He gives him not just the mission. He gives them the means because he knows he can't, they can't accomplish the mission. Just like we can't accomplish the mission on our own power. Can't do it. But they still had to march. They still had to fight. It was all people all in. They still had to engage the mission. But the success of it wasn't dependent on their ability, but God's presence, power with them. Are you willing to fight, loved ones? Are you willing? Or do we just want to sit back and let others do it? See, today, Jesus has given us a promise too. You'll see it on the screen. Jesus has given us a promise. He doesn't give us a promise of the land of Canaan. He says, I promise to build my church, Matthew 16, 18. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Just like he gave Joshua a promise, he gives us a promise. And just like he gave Joshua a mission, he gives us a mission today. Not to conquer the nations of Canaan, but to make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then he gives them, he gives us the same means he's giving Joshua right here. Himself. He says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Unstoppable God. Amen? The question is, will you trust him and arise? We're not here to play church. Will you trust him and arise? It's where it all starts. Courageous faith believes God will do what he said. Do you? And maybe for some of us next step, that baby's cry is actually a good picture of where we need to get. We need to cry out to the Lord in desperation and say, Lord, increase my faith to believe that you are who you say you are and to believe that all of your promises have their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Give me faith to believe the gospel is unstoppable. Lord, increase my faith. All people, all in. See, courageous faith trusts God's promises. It's our confidence. And from this, secondly, courageous faith obeys God's word. If we don't believe that God is who he says he is, we're not going to obey his word. Courageous faith believes God's word. Why? Because it's our responsibility. We have a responsibility, church. Obedience to God is our responsibility, just like it was here. Will you abide in his word? Look at verses six to eight. Be strong and courageous, God goes on to say, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very, notice the emphasis, very courageous. Joshua, we gotta get this. Be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not Turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success. By the way, success isn't some prosperity gospel there. If you look at the Hebrew term for success, look at the one that's a superscript at the top of success and go down to the bottom of the page of your Bible. It says, you will act wisely. That is success in God's eyes. Reverence and a fear of the Lord leading to wisdom. You will have success Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, God moves now from the promises that he's made to Joshua to the responsibility that Joshua is the leader and the people of Israel have if they're to see those promises fulfilled. And if I could sum up what he's calling him to do here and commanding him to do, They must meditate upon and obey God's word. Everything hinges on it. Everything hinges on it. None of your own strategies. No watered down word of God in front of the people. You obey and you meditate. And things will go well. Why do you think Satan's working so hard to take the word of God out of the pulpit in churches? Water it down. Tell funny motivational pep talks. Whatever you think will get more people into the chairs. Not here. This is our authority. This is our God. It is our life. 
we meditate on it, and we obey it. Everything hinges on this, and it still does today. See, so many Christians, maybe some of us, if we're honest, we want the promises of God, yes and amen, but we don't want the responsibility of what it takes to follow him. Well, we want the promises, but we don't want the responsibility. Do you? The easy way out? Let's get clarity here. Strong and courageous, what God commands Joshua in and the people of Israel and us today, three times in this text. He's not talking about physical strength. It's like, hey, Joshua, get everyone on a workout program and do a little bench pressing, okay? Get strong, will ya? That's gonna help with your courage. He's not talking about physical strength or mustering up some courageous adrenaline rush. Come on, guy! Like, that's gonna fade. Everyone say it's gonna fade. It means this, strong and courageous means having an attitude a posture of resolved confidence and conviction and boldness, not from faith in our own abilities, not from faith in what this world says to put your faith in, but from faith that God was with them, who God was, and that he would not forsake them and give them all they needed. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Live in the text, God's saying this to Joshua right here in these three verses. With what you're about to face, you're going to need to be strong and courageous in your faith in me. And not go your own way. Not think you know better. I know a better way to do church. It should run this way. I know a better thing to put in the pulpit. It should be that. Uh Uh-uh. You go your own way, you're going to fail. You will not see that land of Canaan. And you will not see my promise to you fulfilled. I will raise, this, this keeps me up and you can ask my wife. I have trouble sleeping, thinking about this. He says, he says to Joshua, if you turn from my word, I will raise someone else up who will follow me to see that promise because my promise will be fulfilled. But will you let me do it through you or will I need to raise up someone else? who will be faithful. That keeps me up at night. Just ask her. You see that all throughout scripture. He wiped out a whole generation of Israelites. Why? Because they didn't believe his word. Fine, you're not going to enter the promised land. I'll raise up the next generation. Esther, Mordecai says to her, how do you know, hey? How do you know that you're not brought here? If you don't come up and go before the king on behalf of God's people, He's going to raise up someone else to deliver them. But how about you that he has raised you up for such a time as this? Loved ones, we're alive right here in the 21st century. This is our such a time as this moment. Right now. Will we be faithful? Or will he have to raise up the next generation to do it? Because he will fulfill his word. I hope that's challenging for us. And here's what everything hinges on. The number one responsibility of the church, the number one priority of my people, if you are to follow me faithfully, then and now, verse seven, he says, be careful to keep my word. Be careful means to guard it, to keep watch over it. In the community, not just the leader's job. Remember, he's commissioning Joshua, but it's for the whole people. He says, Keep watching the community. Don't let false teaching enter. There's a lot of gods in Canaan that are coming up and they're going to tempt you in a lot of ways to do what is false. Does that sound familiar? Don't let the teaching of my word go, people of God. Uphold it in your conversations. Don't let it, if something seems off, address it. Or it will take you out. The devil's not dumb. He says, be careful to do what? Verse eight, meditate on God's word. The word meditate there, it kind of gone out of style these days. It means to ponder or linger over the word of God. Study it deeply. Let it get in you, the living and active word. Memorize it. The word meditate actually means to mutter, mutter it. You know, I don't know how many times I'm in devotions and my boy, one of my boys comes down to say good morning. They're like, Dad, who are you talking to? And I'm just like, I'm just muttering to myself. And I'm meditating on the passage I'm reading. You memorize it. You talk it. You're like, wow, preach it to yourself. 
But notice what it says. You need to meditate. He goes, just give me that little extra time when you have nothing else to do during the day. That's not what God says. He says, this is first priority, me. Get up in the morning. Get your Bible open. Don't let your feet hit the ground before it's open and you're not meditating on it. Let's go. Why would we go the whole day without renewing our mind in the word of God at the start of it? What is it going to take you, loved one, to make the word of God your priority, to meditate on it? Be still and know that he's God, not be rushed and know. Be still, meditate. What's it going to take? It's going to get crowded out if it's not a conviction for us. And two, notice this, meditate on it. Here's why we have to meditate on it, because we need to obey it. He says, obey it, verse 7, 8, in the power I promise to give you to do so. You and I can't white-knuckle obedience for the kingdom. He says, I've given you the means. That's why I'm with you. And now he's given us the Holy Spirit if we're saved in Jesus Christ, who is our comforter, who is our guide, who is the one who illuminates Scripture to us and empowers us for gospel mission. He says, if you don't know it, you can't obey it. Meditate and don't turn from it. Don't depart from it with your mouth. See that verse 8? He specifically says the mouth. What's the mouth used for? He says, teach it in the community. Don't stop talking about it. You get together for, this is like social church to the nth. Not a word of a lie. But what is our fellowship really centered around? Is it centered around the latest news craze, the sports teams? Is this departing from our mouths? There's nothing wrong with talking about sports and scores. I like sports. I coach sports. It's great. But is it your main thing? What banner are you fellowshipping around, loved ones? Let's not box in God's word to Saturday nights and my own quiet time in the morning. It's meant to be dispersed through the community, with convictional clarity. Rehearse it, communicate it to safeguard the doctrine of the church. And then he says, don't depart from it with your mouth and then your actions. When you're tempted with distractions to turn to the left or to the right, and you want to pick and choose the parts of God's word you want to follow, verse 8, he says, do all that's written. All of it, it leads to life. Because only through obeying it in my power, God says, will you have good success. That means my blessing will be upon it. God says to Joshua right here, I've got the promises for you. I've got the promise. But you have to fight my way if you're going to see it. My word is my way. And you cannot be strong and courageous without abiding in my word, church. You cannot. It's impossible. Hear the word of God. God has made promises, but obedience is necessary it is our responsibility. Will you abide in his word? Individually, whatever stage of life you're at, I know with young kids, it can be real hard to get that time. Husbands, let's help out. Friends, let's help out. Will you abide in the word of God as your priority? As we start this ministry year, loved ones, it is time to reassess how your abiding in the Lord is going. Are you meditating on it daily? Yes, daily. Not some legalistic requirement, but daily. Out of the recognition of a love for the Lord and the priority he must be. Are we meditating on it or just rushing through it? Are we teachable to it? Repenting of sin when it convicts us. Maybe even right now. Maybe some of us are getting defensive in our chair saying, yeah, you don't know my situation. You take that up with the Lord. Are we teachable to God's word right now? Are we receiving the implanted word that can save our soul? Or are we rebuffing it? Oh, that my people would listen, he says. There's life. No excuses. I'm humbling myself under it. I'm going to take that correction. And then obeying it, even when it's not comfy in our personal lives and in this church, how God commands. And maybe some of us, we come from different church backgrounds here. Are we willing to obey how God commands you to be a part of his church community today? Being known, being loved, serving one another. Everyone is a ligament or joint to see the body of Christ built up. Are we just going to attend? You take that up with the Lord as I need to. 
Loved ones, no, there's no condemnation in Christ. As the word's going to work here, I want to say this. Through the gospel, there's no condemnation in Christ if you are saved, but obedience is the priority of Christ. He lived it perfectly. He modeled it perfectly, and he's given us the means to do it. It's the only path to courageous faith, and the only way we see Jesus build his church this year is he's promised to do in and through us. What's your next step? There's reading plans on our website. Go ahead. Download it. Get in God's word. It's not too late to start. Maybe it's getting in a small group. Those are filling up really fast. We're delegating the groups this week. Get in a small group so you can be exhorting one another in the word of God. Sign up for a doctrine class that's coming up. Learn, teach, instruct. It's a beautiful eight-week class. Courageous faith trusts God's promises. It's our confidence. Courageous faith obeys God's word, knowing it's our responsibility, church. And lastly, this all leads to courageous faith means we possess God's mindset. What is God's mindset for us this ministry year? No fear. Say it with me. No fear. One more time. No fear. No fear. This is God's mindset. That thing you're so afraid of, I've already overcome that. I've got that waiting, that provision waiting. I've got the promise waiting. That thing you're so anxious about, I've taken care of that. Will you trust me? What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Courageous faith believes God is with us and is all we need. Question, faith or fear? Faith or fear? Look at verse nine. He finishes again, exclamation point. Every, every eye in the book. It is so good. Have I not commanded you? Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, God finishes commissioning Joshua for the task ahead by asking the rhetorical question. Hey, Joshua, have I not commanded you? You're doubting? You know, I'm 90 years old. Can't you get some young guy? And I don't know what I got. And Moses is dead. I can't go to him for wisdom anymore. And he goes, have I not commanded you? Just to make sure you know you're the one I picked. I love the Lord. He sees the heart. He just affirms him. He says, Joshua, you are who I've chosen for this task, this mission. Have no doubts. Today, he says, Hope Bible Church, Ottawa, you are the church that I planted and that I have raised up for such a time as this, for this greatest mission in all of history. Have I not commanded you? He commands Joshua again the third time, be strong and courageous in faith. Do not be frightened or dismayed at what's ahead. That word dismayed there, it actually means, have you ever heard of the expression, loved ones? Eyes up here. You ever heard of the expression? Uh, That person fell to pieces. I'm falling to pieces. You ever heard of that? I'm falling to pieces. You know, sometimes as I get older, and I'm only 44, so I I get there's some naysayers in the room. I get it. But when I hear the joints cracking a bit more, I've said to my wife more than a few times, I think I'm falling to pieces. He says, don't be dismayed. Don't fall to pieces in anxiety. Don't be afraid. He looks into Joshua's heart. Don't be falling to pieces at the situations or the enemies you will encounter. Why? He says the four. Did you see the four? That's a key word in that text. Verse nine. Here's why you don't need to be afraid. For... The Lord your God is with you. Not because, for you're so good. For the Lord is with you. For the Lord is with you. He's promised to be with him wherever he sends him. He is all Joshua, the people of Israel, and his church today, the community of God, need to see his kingdom advance for his glory and to see the victory that he's already won. He's all we need. And it's easy today, church, isn't it, to look at the world and be frightened and discouraged and fall to pieces in timidity and anxiety and fear. It's easy to look at our lack of skills, abilities, a lack of a permanent facility, a lack of all these other things we've equated with heavenly success, even though they're just success in the world's eyes, and say, you sure, God? God couldn't use us. He couldn't use me 
to do that. I can't do that. See, Joshua struggles with the same thing. But notice the mindset. God's mindset of faith says, I can't, but God can. Everyone say that with me. I can't, but God can. You believe that? What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. I can't, but God can. And if you're saved in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sin and confessed him alone as your Lord and Savior, you know what 1 Corinthians 2.16 says? We have now been given the mind of Christ, the mind of God. And you know what Christ's mindset is in every single situation we face? Don't fear. Don't fear. That's his mindset. Every single time. Don't fear, loved one. I'm here. Courageous faith believes God is with us and is all we need. Question, church, as we close out here today, faith or fear? Faith or fear? What's it going to be? One advances, one draws back. What's it going to be? Pope Ottawa, as we launch into this new ministry year, I want to remind us that God has called each of us. This is our family. He's called each of us to be a part of this church at this time in history for such a time as this. And it may look intimidating. It may pull you out of your comfort zone. The opposition may be fierce as God's kingdom advances. And we may need to tread until we don't think we can take another step. When the weariness is heavy and you may struggle with doubts at times and will feel unqualified and inadequate, but loved one, have no doubts. Have no doubts. Why? Big idea. Our God is victorious, so follow him in courageous faith. That's why he's already won. He says, have I not commanded you? 2021? This is not fear time. This is? Let's say it again. This is not fear time. This is? Come on. And it's good news. He has given us his only son, Jesus Christ, to be with us on mission always to the end of the age. And Jesus, the one who came to earth and took on flesh and lived a perfect life of courageous faith, on mission, trusting God's promises, obeying his word perfectly, and possessing God's mindset, the eternal perspective, every moment he died on the cross as our substitute, paying the penalty for our sin and defeating death by rising from the grave three days later in the greatest victory of all time. And if you've repented of your sin and confessed him as Lord and Savior, he says to you today, hey, loved one, it's not time to go to pieces. I am victorious. So you be strong and courageous in me. And he says, go therefore. This is where we're landing next week, Lord willing. Go therefore, Pope Ottawa, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Does this sound familiar? Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are awesome. This is our God, faithful. This is our God, the one who absolutely has universal authority and jurisdiction and power, the one who cannot be stopped. This is the message of the gospel, which remains undefeated. This is the word of God, which is true and righteous and will always prove true and is a shield for those who take refuge in it. This is our God. Lord, fill this church with strong and courageous faith as we march into the season ahead of us. We need you desperately. We need faith. You didn't just give us the mission. Thank you that you love us so much you gave us the means. May it be so. Have your way as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Loved ones, will you stand as we respond in worship?